Well, hey, thanks for joining us on Whatever Wednesday, and uh, we're we're looking forward to this. Um, I am with Nick in Timaru. We're not doing this thing by the phone. Super That's exciting, right. and uh, more to come. Good to see you face to face Bro, crazy <laughs> It's so weird it's so much better than the stupid Skype thing huh? Yeah, definitely It's like uh, Beautiful, so- did I ever tell you that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so Oh man, it's it's pretty awesome We've just um, It's Sunday Actually, although we're doing this on This is for whatever, whatever Wednesday But still, you know, it's Sunday And we've just had a day It's the first time I've preached at uh, Nick's church Which is crazy Since 2007? Yeah, so even then though That was more a uh, camp, combined camp, camp You know yeah, um, But uh, It was great It was so good hanging out with uh, your church yeah. And uh, just Kind of remember the building and everything But yeah, it was just, it was just awesome You guys sing well yeah, it's great to have you, bro. Good to yeah. have some solid biblical theology coming through. Yeah, I just I brought the biblical theology. That's it, bro. I did. I was just like, it's it's Nick's church. <laughs> Got to bring the biblical theology. That's right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we've been sort of chilling here in the weekend, and um, after both services now. Uh, we're doing some podcasts. That's right. We're set here up in the in church, the sanctuary. In the sanctuary. Are you allowed to call it a sanctuary if it's not if it's not really a temple? I don't know. We're allowed to say we got beers in the sanctuary. You probably shouldn't tell anyone that. But, uh, <laughs> I might have I'm to sure edit that fun. out. <laughs> All right, totally. Um, so yeah, we're just chilling now, and this is awesome. And um, um, yeah, we want to talk about whatever. So, what are we talking about? Well. I mean, just really appreciated your sermon this morning on, <clears throat> what did you preach about again? No, <laughs> <laughs> that, that we looked at Genesis thing. 4 and 5, a uh-huh. fantastic look at those chapters. Jesus and the gospel coming all the way through, but just something that had struck me, which I'd never seen before. Uh-huh. Enoch as a type of Christ. Can you yeah. elaborate on that, bro? That was, that was fascinating. I, I want to hear more. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's all, um, that's all Clyde. Yeah. Yeah, right there. But um, yeah, Enoch, uh, not as a type of Christ so much as uh, a prophetic sign. Okay. You know, uh, the whole... How would you distinguish type from prophetic sign? Well, I mean, you've got this guy. So basically the whole thing there is that you've got the Enoch um, being the first of the 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 proclaimers of the gospel amongst the Sethites, you know? Yeah. And uh, it says he walked... you there, but you yeah. brought, you quoted Jude. Yeah. You quoted the yeah. controversial... Apocryphal <laughs> Jude, yeah, as a an example of what Enoch would have said. Yeah, <clears throat> do you want to elaborate on that? Well, I had um, some comments after the sermon, and they were like, "So, uh, is the Book of Enoch inspired? How did Jude use Enoch? Right, right, right. Got it. Was that just yeah. a correct summary of something that he might have said, or was it actually an, an inspired example of something that he did say? Yeah, I mean, look, I think. You know, just in the inspiration thing, uh, Jude is coming along and going, well, you know, and this maybe tucks back, we might be derailing into a whole thing of, <laughs> of inspiration here, but for what it's worth, um, I would very much embrace the idea that that basically the apostles or those inspired to um, uh, write scripture had less to do with, you know, if you think of B.B. Warfield's thing, you know, less to do with, uh, you know, so much that, that they had to 
um, we have to worry about whether you know the, uh, the Enoch is inspired or, or you know whatever whatever sources they used. We don't have to worry about that. He could, he could have used a Spider Man comic. Is basically a controversial way to make the point. Um, but the canon was formed to the extent that the the apostles themselves endorsed certain literature, and that endorsement came by inspiration, and, and you know our doctrine of inerrancy. You know, so you, you can't you can't say this is what Enoch said if he didn't say that. So I mean, yeah. Paul quotes some of the Greek uh, yeah. poets, right? Same we're thing. We're not saying Greek poets are inspired. Mm-mm, mm. We're just saying that all truth is God's truth. There might have been something in general revelation exactly. that they happened to say that happened to be true. Yeah. And quoting sources that may have had more influence with a particular audience. Yeah. He used that source. It, totally. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Good point that they didn't uh, endorse the rest of, you know, uh, yeah, uh, not at all endorsing um, the rest of, of that source. But, um, certainly I would say that the words that they did embrace and endorse have to be thought of as inerrant. And, well, uh, uh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. The point that they're making. And the point was pretty simple, wasn't it? That yeah. There will be a judgment for sinners. Totally. And that's a, that's a point that's upheld by lots of other verses. Yeah. And so whenever Paul brings in a quote, um, he's bringing in a common grace source, which agrees with a special revelation source. Yeah. He's not bringing in new truth that wasn't already present in the scriptures. Exactly. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, and you, you know, who knows the mechanism there? Who knows whether he got a green light in his head, you know? I mean, how does inspiration work at that level? Did he, um, is it all dependent on their, you know, would Jude have not, not have quoted that if that doctrine was not as well pronounced, you know, prior yeah, well, to that? Was he quoting it because the false teachers that he was addressing used it and he was quoting their own sources back to them to show them what hypocrites they were or how inconsistent they were? Yeah. Yeah, but even so, you sort of back to the the, the step one there, you know. Yeah. So like, uh, if he did that, then he's driving on the same point, and ultimately, you know, you have to you get the same end point there. But it could also be that he was, um, uh, you know, here's where you get into it with the whole Moses thing. Yeah. Like, how did Moses know about creation? How you know was it the source? Uh, w- w- was it uh, some tradition that he's basically accumulating? Yep. You know, is it an oral account, a written account? Was it Forty days on the mountain that he saw it. He yeah. Wrote it down as he was and, being dictated to him. Yeah, exactly. Now, I mean, like at the end of the day, you know, it, I think probably, and and this is uh, pretty, uh, you know, maybe a, a tangent deep dive into canonicity, but I think it's all of the above. And I don't think you can say one or the other. And I don't, you know, as soon as we start limiting only to traditions and sources, we've only we've limited the whole inspiration process to discursive reasoning. And it's yeah. got to, it's got to include that non-discursive element. It's, it did. It just had a supernatural element yeah. about we it. We don't have the same yeah. liberty that Jude had. Yeah. To choose something to put into his writings, which would have been affirmed as yeah scripture. Right. Totally. We're not in that position. We don't have equal no ability or authority to do anything like what he did. So, B.B. Warfield, on that point, saved my life. Because, I mean, that stuff is all over the, the Bible, you know? It's like you've got to, you're going to go mad if you don't have this, like, how ultimately does that get in there? How does it, you know, get used by the Spirit? Or how does uh, the, the Spirit use those men to bring in all those little facets? Yeah. And it's just going to be apostolicity. It's just going to be like, yep. this is the promise that God, that Christ made that these apostles would be inspired and they would ultimately, they would, whether, who knows how, you know, did they have this mystical experience? Did they, um, you know, did they only use their brains? Yeah. 
was it an intuition that they knew was from the spirit? Like, who knows? At that point, you just got to be like, you know what? Mm-hmm. Christ said it would happen. And it happened. And they knew it happened. And no was in doubt. And, yeah, our confidence yeah. is in the final product, not in our understanding of how that product came about. Totally. And that's a big thing, I think. And it gets you it gets you right out of all those weird squabbly debates, you know. And it brings you a real... I think it allows you to make deductive leaps then, I suppose, because mm-hmm. like I did in the, in the sermon. Yeah, it's a snapshot, one way or another. Yeah. It's true. And it agrees with the rest of Scripture, so... Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's another... Another it's just a, it's a help. A, yeah, that's right. I mean, the one, the one exception to that is like, uh, you know, I know it's not really an exception to what we're saying, but like the whole, if you have a, um, like, you know, non-canonical text that we're not sure was in the original canon of scripture, I, I would, uh, you know, uh, what we're not saying right now is that we have the same sort of easy approach with that as well uh, we're saying with things that although they were might have sketchy backgrounds and that sort of thing because we know they were in the canon of scripture that's the authority yeah. not, we're not we're not basing the authority on textual uh, or on uh, our ability to we're you know, not reason saying something that enoch as an author should be recognized yes we're exactly the book of one enoch as yeah. a book should be added to scripture yeah. but we are saying that the fact that there will be a judgment for sinners, which is held up by other portions, which was included by Jude in his letter, mm-hmm. is something which can easily be embraced as inspired, even though Enoch and the book itself are not. Yeah, totally. Great. Yeah. All right. Good. So anyway, yeah, yeah, nice yeah. tangent. Good. It is whatever Wednesday. <laughs> okay, so good. we're doing that. Justified. Yeah. All right. So let's get back to so, Enoch as a prophetic sign. Yeah, sign. Oh, man. Beautiful. So, yeah, there he is. Preaching his way, preaching a storm to uh, to the likes of of the Canaanite dynasty and um, wherever he and was at. He's in the city, not in a city of his own. No, no. So yeah. he's a, a witness who's embedded in the culture, mm-hmm. surrounded by the sinners, and he is an example of a faithful preacher. He might have even been a preacher in a in a Sethite gathering, or who knows? You know, maybe a more street preacher is the way <laughs> to think about it. But yeah, something like that. Um, so Jude gives us the. <clears throat> The doorway to see Enoch as a preacher. Yeah, absolutely. Like Noah as well. Like Noah, the preacher you know? of righteousness, yeah. Second Peter. Yeah. Which we wouldn't get from, you know, the text. We wouldn't itself. get that from Genesis. Yeah. We only get it from a New Testament apostle yeah. moving from, from light to dark. Ser- the essentially, apostles are shedding new light on things that aren't necessarily in the text at the time. Yeah. And it's um it's essentially the same process that we're using there to bring that in. Totally. Which is important though, you know, because right. then you read it back and you're like, well, based on that authority. I'm actually going to read Genesis yeah. in that light. It's going to shape my information there. And we're giving freedom to the apostolic process without imposing an empirical set of standards that they have to subscribe to. Yeah. Empiricism says, prove it to me before I accept it. Yeah. And we're not bringing the presuppositions of evidentialism to the apostolic process. We're no. allowing the apostles to be the apostles. And if we don't understand how it happened... We accept the final product, not because we understand it, but because it's the Word of God. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Amen. So, yeah. Um, so, he's there, you have the Sethite preachers. They're preaching a storm, however that looked. And um, and then he lived like, what, 365 years or something? Like <laughs> something amazing. And um, and then at the the end, you, you know, you have this great big, uh, and so-and-so lived so long and had so many children, and then he died. And then so-and-so... Uh, lived so long and had so many children, and he died. 
and then so and so lives so long, and it, it just keeps going like that. <laughs> boring refrain. A boring refrain, and then you get to you're expecting the Enoch refrain, and he died. He le- he basically walked with the Lord, and by the way, that's the expression that we're linking to uh, this technical idea of being a prophet. Yep, um, and there's a whole big thing behind that, but but just to stay on course right now, um, <clears throat> there he is, and we're expecting him to die, but no, he was not, for the Lord took him. So he escaped death. He escaped death. <laughs> <laughs> so the guy who, who proclaimed the gospel of Genesis 3.15 and warned of the tyrannical reign of death that everyone was experiencing yeah. uh, became not only a proclaimer, but a picture prophetic sign yeah. so would that be similar to Melchizedek who didn't whose parents are not listed so yeah I think so very much similar yeah exactly of, right of Melchizedek as yeah. a, you know look at this strange and mysterious character yeah. who has a priesthood though yes. not Levitical yes 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 who seems eternal because his heritage is not mentioned uh-huh. you know who's greater than Abraham you know if we take all of those facts and we piece them together in yep. light of who Christ is yep. Is that a, is that the sort of prophetic sign we're sort of putting together? I think so. Yeah, it, it, a picture sign in the sense that, uh, and I love the way Klein, Klein puts it. He um, becomes a prophetic sign of of the way that um, the 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 because Enoch is a seed. You know, this is the thing. That's how he becomes a. What did you say in the beginning? A, a type of Christ. Yeah, yeah, in that sense, because he is the seed of of Seth. Yeah. You know, he's coming. He's coming along as a lineage. He is um, yeah, anticipating the one who will not die, who will overcome overcome death, death and, and, and defeat the prince of death, which is the very promise of Genesis three fifteen. Yeah, and so in that sense, um, you know, absolutely. But also a picture of the gospel itself. In that, if you believe this message, you will escape this tyrannical reign of death. In yeah. fact, it's the only so, way. I mean, just maybe going a little bit deeper. Yeah, he uh, he walked with God, and then he was not. So he would have been changed in the twinkling of an eye and experienced glorifications? I don't know. What do you think? It's hard to know. I mean, we see when Jesus um, dies, some of the Old Testament saints resurrected and walked around Jerusalem. They were seen. We have no idea what happened to them. Yeah. They just zipped away. Yeah. So when we get to heaven, there'll be some disembodied saints and some resurrected ones. I don't think we should go there. That's that's going way too deep. That's um, speculation. That's like... I know what dispensationalists would say to that. <laughs> okay, let's just cancel all of that. Uh, those were the thoughts of uh, Mike and Nick from Imaginations, Chapter 2. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, what happens when you ask too many questions. And the yeah. questions just, just keep coming and keep coming. Yeah. I mean, like, I think, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great... Is there any theological problem to them having been... Well, I mean, we can say this. If we want to read Enoch as an anticipation of Christ, we need not necessarily include glorification as an mm, anticipation mm, mm. because Christ, when he died, was disembodied and ascended to the Father. Father, yep. into your hands I commit my spirit. So perhaps even just to that extent, we could say there's another little agreement between Enoch and Christ Yeah. without having to go all the way into mm-hmm, mm-hmm. wild speculation yeah, yeah, and totally. trying to introduce yeah, free the point stands. Yeah, totally. glorification. Yeah. Now I'm just wondering if if you know Jesus having been the first fruit of the new creation and the resurrection and all of that matters on this you know like do you want to does that undermine that if we say that actually there was kind of a first first fruit um, prior to the first fruit well were the Old Testament saints regenerated yes so they were resurrected in their inner man. I think so. <clears throat> so they had a participation in the but yeah, I mean the first which had not yet happened. But the f- okay, so but the what we mean though would one day resurrect Jesus from the dead, resurrected the saint in the Old Testament. 
Mm. Though it had not yet been done to Christ, it was still being done in anticipation of Christ. Um, this is probably a completely separate discussion. No, no, I think I've got good. some thoughts on this on Ge- from Gehard's Foss. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. That sounds mean. Yeah. Um, okay, but now I'm just thinking like, okay, for the thing I was, uh, I was saying there with Jesus was that you really, I mean, I'm thinking first fruit in terms of physical gl- of resurrection. Yeah. The, you know, he's the first man of the new creation. So if we say Enoch was in any way in that creation prior to Christ, that might be a problem. Was, the, was he the protological man? <laughs> the protological. Of the new creation. Uh, <clears throat> wow. Crazy. <laughs> We've drifted. Let's switch into that. <laughs> well, whatever Wednesday. Bro. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Anyway, so... That's how Enoch falls as a, a type of Christ. And yeah, I don't know. I, I really am. And, 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 and a great example of what you shouldn't do with types. I feel like I went too far. Well, you know what Augustine said? What's that? Like, um, you know, when, um, when asked about, um, you know, uh, what is hell like and everything, it was, like, it was made for the curious, yeah. you know, and that whole thing. Um, yeah. And he, that's his point. He's like, you got you to gotta, you gotta be careful. But I think um, in terms of, it's also helpful to be able to go there so that you're able to to know, all right, I don't know, just to constantly get into the the ability to be able to go, okay, that that's interesting, but these are the ground, this is the baseline, this is the thing we stand on. And we don't have to know the answer to those questions for this point to stand. So we wouldn't take the minimalist approach, which you might find in certain dispensational schools, which say that you would only accept as a type of Christ those things that are clearly stated in the New Testament. We would say the New Testament sets out a trajectory that we follow. So, yeah. for example, although Joseph is not stated as a type of Christ, it's so obvious that he is. Yeah, yeah One there we go. man yeah. saving a people, sold for the price of a slave, betrayed yeah. by his loved ones, mm. etc. Et I know. Oh, man. I'm preaching so, through that right now. Yeah. So, I mean, I would agree with you. Enoch is definitely a type of Christ. Yeah. But to what? How far do we go? Yeah. Mapping out. We've got to be incredibly And even just the, yeah, the language is, I think it might be purposefully ambiguous. And he was not, and the Lord took him. Like, what does that mean? Seriously. You know, there's, there's an obvious, hey. We're not going there anymore. We're moving on. There's mystery there. But yeah, but a, a, a seed born of Eve that does not experience death. Yeah, that, which is the point, right? And that's the whole question. Yeah. And even the, especially the way it's such a break in the refrain, it's obviously meant to be there to raise that sort of sense of alert to the reader what, and then move on without God any more. Who stood for, spoke for God, who, yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, right. Totally. So there we go. Uh, type of Christ and a prophetic sign. So there we go. That's that's called biblical theology and preaching. Yeah, you know? very good. Loved it. Um, yeah, good. Um, all right. So we're um, sitting here in in um, your church, and uh, we we've got like a few. We've got like an hour or so. So what we're going to try and do yeah. is kill off a whole sojourner pod week, more or less. Sweet. So um, looking forward to this week. Stay tuned. Um, tomorrow we got Thursday theology. And we've got some Philosophy awesome... Friday. Philosophy Friday. We've got some serious, serious stuff going on here. Got a whiteboard and stuff. Yeah. It's looking good. Uh, and 16 and 9 Saturday, we need to figure something out for that. Cool. So stay with us and uh, hope you have a great week. Yeah.